The Detroit Tigers dropped the series finale to the Chicago Cubs two days ago, but we'll talk about it today. Also, some organizational promotions to go over at the minor league level, then a little bit of big picture conversation in regards to third base. All today, I'm Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, August 25th, 2023. Happy Friday, everybody. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day, swing for the fences on sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the sleeper app and use promo code Locked on, and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All righty. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, no episode yesterday. Sorry. I tried to put out a tweet, but I don't know how many people saw it. Um, ended up, uh, well, I moved my sister into college. Big deal for the fam. And then afterwards in the evening, I ended up having a family matter I had to attend to and didn't have time to... Uh, to well, I mean, like I could have done like a really late episode and just like run off the box score, but... It doesn't really hold up to my standard of what I want these to be either. So I figured, you know what? I can afford one day. We'll do that. And then tomorrow, today, yesterday, as you're listening to this goodness, uh, on Thursday, I will just rewatch the game and do a show that way. So we also have some, uh, again, not all game talk. We're going to do a little bit of organizational promotions at the end of the show. Then we will talk. Uh, I want to talk about Veerling and the third base position going forward as well, because that's been a hot topic throughout the fan base. So uh, yeah, I got quite a lot to discuss on this Friday edition of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all. Let's start, honestly, let's start like overall baseball before we even get into this game. What a crazy last like 48 hours it has been for, I guess the Angels fan base, but also just like everybody. Like this is, I mean, the Angels, I, I mean, goodness, you know, I, I mean, they, Mike Trout comes back from the IL for one day, doesn't do well, immediately goes back on the IL. And then Shohei Otani, unfortunately, has a tear in his UCL. They don't know the severity, but they know that he will not pitch the remainder of this season, which absolutely sucks. Horrible for baseball. Devastating blow for a lot of fans all over the globe. Everybody's really upset about it. Everybody loves Shohei. Very, very unfortunate. So uh, he looks like he'll continue hitting. He did the same thing. He had Tommy John in 2018, and 2018, I think it was, and still hit. So I can't imagine it'll just like completely sideline him, but no two-way for the remainder of the season, which sucks. Um, who knows how it will affect his free agency and whatnot. But then on top of both of those things, then we also have Steven Strasburg retiring. Uh, it looks like in large part due to injury. Devastating. Like, And not that you know he was at a point in his career where he was going to be able to come back and be like some top elite end pitcher anymore. I think that ship kind of sailed a while ago, but really kind of... I don't know, just that that just that news sucks. Like he man, like if, if you didn't experience it, it's hard to really put into words. Steven Strasburg's major league debut was emotional. Like that that is there are some moments in, in life and in baseball both where when you're in a moment and when you're watching a moment, you you are aware. It's so impactful that you are aware and, and you you know that this will be a, a historic moment and like something that people will talk about for years and years. 
and people will look back on and it will be one of those just amazing moments in history. And it's very, very, it's not often that while you're in those moments, you're aware of it. And Steven Strasburg's major league debut in in the baseball world was absolutely one of those moments. Again, like if you, if you didn't watch it yourself and you can go watch the entire outing, I'm sure it's online, YouTube, et cetera. But like, it's just, it's one of those where while you were watching, I I was in middle school and I, and I remember, I, I remember so vividly watching that and being like, this is, this is wild. Like this is, this is a, like one of the biggest moments I've ever watched at that point in my life. It felt like. Just uh, uh, the magnitude of his hype and like the Nationals bill being relatively new. He, man, he he really did transcend sports there for a little bit. And it's unfortunate that he really had an injury riddled career because he is legitimately one of, he might be the biggest pitching prospect in my entire life. I'm in my mid twenties that, that he, he might be the biggest pitching prospect of my lifetime. And to see it end that way is just really heartbreaking. So uh, wish him nothing but the best going forward. Hopefully his retirement life is uh, is very good to him. Um, just a, a sad ending on, and a 24-hour period with a lot of sad endings <laughs> endings for, um, for, for the baseball world. So let's get into this ball game, though. Let's talk Tigers. That's what we're here to do. Let's start with Tarek Skubal. So the Tigers lose this game 6-4 to four on Wednesday afternoon, even though you're listening to this on Friday um, Scooble started, he went six innings, gave up four runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. Um, you know, I, this outing wasn't, I didn't think it was as bad as the final line said. I feel like he got hit around a little bit, but like seven K's and in six innings is still pretty solid. And there wasn't a Scooble inning. It was just kind of like, he's had a hard time keeping runners off the bases, but it also wasn't via the walk. So I don't know. I go back and forth. It, it, it definitely, certainly, I'm not going to convince you that this was like some great outing and it just, you know, he got really unlucky or whatnot, but he did a little unlucky, not great defense behind him either. Um, I, I think that this was an outing where I can, in my brain, there was like a, a good thing that happened in it and, and a bad thing that happened in it. And that kind of led us to this kind of middle of the road, like not terrible, not great outing from Scooble. Um, I, I think the good well, let's. I feel like when most people say, do you want the good news or the bad news first, most people say the bad news. So let's start with that. I think the slider, the the stuff has never and will never be an issue for Tarek Skubal. Um, the slider is is a plus-plus pitch. It's great. He's great, etc. In this particular outing, he was not locating it consistently. There were some instances in which he located it great and got his swing and miss or got his called strike. But like the pitch's overall effectiveness throughout the entire outing, I didn't think was poor. But for a solid two and a half to three innings in the middle of the outing, it was very inconsistent command. Uh, he left a couple of them over the heart of the plate. A couple of them got absolutely smoked. Um, and it just felt like when he was missing with it, he was missing over the heart of the plate or way outside the strike zone. And it was an uncompetitive pitch. So I, I think that that is... Like that's arguably his best pitch. You know, it's it's hard to to really kind of turn the head at a 97 mile an hour fastball, um, but there is a legitimate argument that his slider is his best pitch. It's phenomenal, and it can be it's very effective against righties and lefties. Um, but I I think that in this outing the command just wasn't very great for it. 
to end on good with Tarek Skubal, I thought the changeup was stellar. It was so stellar. And I think that that is going to be a huge reason as to why people are going to expect so much out of him next year. A, just like finally, knock on wood, hopefully a full healthy season of Tarek Skubal. We still have not gotten that yet. Um, so I, I think most people are kind of just hoping for that. But uh, on top of that, the, the arsenal, everybody's aware of the fastball. Everybody's aware of the slider. Um, the the changeup has it, – it's it's a good pitch. You know, it's not like, oh, he's only a two-pitch pitcher or whatnot. It's always been good. People are aware it's good. But this outing really – I mean, this was a, a master class at how to utilize the changeup. He only threw it 20% of the time. I almost – it got to the point where I was like, I kind of wish you were throwing a changeup in some of these counts instead of your slider, which – Never thought I'd say because the slider is so good, um, but I, I was very impressed with it. And I think next year, if you can go into the season a fully healthy Tarek Skubal and and he's you know hitting 97, 98, his slider is his slider, and you're looking at a changeup that could be like a, a swing and miss machine, and and the way that he was tunneling it down in the strike zone with his fastball, it's such a we talk about it all the time on here, but it's such a simple tunneling mechanism is just low fastball that he's then low slide or low changeup rather especially two righties when you're a lefty and he just executed it brilliantly so uh, yeah kind of a, a eh, not not great performance obviously the final line wasn't great but still good swing and miss totals still good strikeout totals and, and he, he didn't give up like you know a million homers so I you know I, give and take a little bit is kind of how I feel not not great not awful um, let's move on to the offense. That is a definitely a talking point in this ball game. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Sleeper. Sleeper is the best. And if you think that who am I who who do we pick today? Kerry Carpenter, sure. If you think that Kerry Carpenter can get a, hit a home run tonight against the Houston Astros, um, then you should go to Sleeper. And swing for the fences with up to a 100 times payout. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get to your picks and you could win big. I've been using Sleeper. I have a Sleeper draft actually uh, this week. I've been using Sleeper for all my fantasy leagues for a while. Uh, they recently took over as like the most used sporting app in the country. They're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And now that they're in the daily fantasy game, they're taking over that as well because of how brilliant they are. So go check it out. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Re- now we won't be back tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday, rather, recapping the series against the Houston Astros. We'll preview that a little bit at the end as well. Um, so talking about the offense, I mean, goodness. I, we, we can start with the team offense, right? Uh, it's just, it's so frustrating that this keeps happening. Like, and, and Tyone's final line was not good. He gave up the grand slam. All All fair. But you got no hit by Jamison Tyone for, what, five innings? Four innings? Five innings? That is just – this guy is a five-and-a-half ERA. It's just it, – it, these are the games that 
I don't want to say bring you back down to earth. I feel like a lot of people are still really excited about where the team is at, but this is like the reality check game where you're like, oh yeah, we are 11 games under 500. We won't be making the playoffs or making it around the AL Central. And this is why. is because if you shut down three players, if you shut down a third, only a third of our lineup, the other six definitely cannot be trusted to give you a consistent good offense on a night-to-night basis. And that is objectively true with this baseball team at the moment. So, and and as much as we are very, very pleased with the progress and the promise of Green, Torkelson, and and, and Carpenter, I almost said Scooble, and Carpenter, um, they're not going to have 162-game hit streaks. Like, they, they can't do it every night. And, and it's a great core to build around. It's a great young nucleus. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that this team still has two thirds of a lineup to construct essentially over the coming years to give you an actual good offensive product. This offense is still at the bottom of baseball in a lot of categories, bottom five in almost all categories for a reason. And these are the kind of games that just remind you, Oh yeah, we're, we're still here. A guy with a five and a half BRA just absolutely diced us for five innings. Now, that transitions into the Kerry Carpenter conversation. I'm, I'm serious. They, they should teach this in elementary schools. Like your, your children should learn about Kerry Carpenter and it, it should be before they learn like uh, simple math. This is one of the greatest stories of the last two calendar years of Detroit Tigers baseball, if not the greatest. Um, phenomenal story for him. First and foremost, him and his development, but this team for development as well. And every single time I have pointed out something that I've wanted Kerry Carpenter to work on, he has adjusted and done it. And not that like, you know, he's like listening to me or anything. That's not what I'm implying. But like every time that there has been an adjustment to make, every time there's been something you can point at and be like, yo, you got to get better at that. Within months, he is. It's remarkable. There's actually a great article that Fangraphs just put out about Kerry Carpenter relatively recently. I highly recommend you all go read that. Dude just seems like he wants to learn and just be a better hitter all the time. He's very self-reflective. He's very honest with himself. Talked about the draft process and being drafted so late. I mean, he's 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 him. Like he, He's just such a dog. Um, MLB ranks in August. Okay, so where he ranks amongst all hitters in Major League Baseball – in the month of August, he's played 21 games. He's first in home runs, sixth in RBIs, third in runs scored, first in isolated power, sixth in average, sixth in on-base percentage, second in OPS, second in WRC+, and fourth in Fangraph's war with 1.4. One and a half win player in 21 games. That's preposterous. Especially when you remember, oh, his bad defense is dragging that number down. <laughs> He's unbelievable. And we've talked about his swing so much. It's a it's a guaranteed barrel. The, the bat path gives him just the perfect launch angle no matter where the ball is. His hands get low. They come up. It, it looks like he's swinging a lightsaber almost. I don't know why, if that even makes sense. But like in my head, that's what it feels like. He, he's remarkable. He's absolutely remarkable. And uh, that's a big reason why. And the bat path also allows him to keep the bat in the strike zone for such a long period of time. We've talked a lot about 
uh, his ability to go the opposite way was a big adjustment that he made. When he first came up, this dude could only hit fastballs against righties. Now he's hitting lefties, he's hitting righties, he's hitting off-speed, he's hitting breaking balls, he's still hitting fastballs. Then, you know, like, oh, he can only pull the ball. Now he's hitting opposite field home runs over the green monster. He's hitting opposite fields in Comerica. Like, it's... His adjustment cannot be understated. I know I maybe I've said this a lot over the last month or so, and I sound like a broken record. I'm going to keep doing it because it, it deserves to be shouted from the mountaintops. Like, this dude is is an incredible story that I think the national media is not paying nearly enough attention to just because it's the Tigers. But um, the other thing with his bat path is, is it allows him to go the opposite way because the ball stays in the, the bat rather stays in the strike zone so long he can, and he has great bat speed too. He can let fastballs get deep in, into the strike zone, almost at the catcher's glove and then swing and turn it the opposite way. He can be out on front of a pitch and foul it off at least to keep himself alive because the bat stays in the zone so long. He can do damage even when he's fooled on a pitch. If he's out in front of it and still, you know, makes decent enough contact and hits enough of the bat, he's remarkable. I could talk about him all day long. And uh, he has literally been, I mean, I think objectively, one of the three, maybe four best hitters on the planet in the month of August. And he's ours for years to come which is awesome. Uh, let's talk about Riley Green. Don't have too much to say here, just that he's been struggling lately. His OPS is now, I believe, down to 819, uh, and the batting average is uh, in the 290s. Ooh, scary. Um, I, I, you know, like I joke about it just because I'm like, that's how not worried I am about Riley Green long-term. The only thing that's bothered me lately is that it, it's striking out. Like if it was just like, oh, he's grounding the ball again. Okay, he's made that adjustment before. He can lift the ball. We know he can. He's proven it. Um, and, and if it was like, oh, like he's just hitting weak fly balls or whatever, like we know that those will fall eventually. The, the only thing that somewhat has – I don't even want to use the word concern because I'm so not concerned about it. But the only thing that that is uh, somewhat kind of noticeable, we'll say, is that he's striking out a boatload. And uh, like I said earlier this week, he's never going to be like a low K-rate guy, um, but he's striking out a boatload lately. And on top of that, it is – a lot of low and inside curveballs, and not exclusively, but a lot. And I think that if he could just make an adjustment and, and see those better, or at least get his bat on those a little bit easier, um, that that would cut the K rate pretty significantly. So, um, yeah, that's that's really that's that's really what I have for Riley Green. I'm not like terrified. I'm not super worried about it, but needs to cut down the K's a little bit. Let's talk. Matt Beerling and third base specifically, because uh, I think that there's been some conversations amongst the fan base about third base and about Matt Beerling and him playing third. And I've been a catalyst of some of those. And I want to just really articulate where, uh, where, where we stand here. Okay. So let's do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Mark's. This episode is brought to you by Marg's Sparkling Margaritas. Y'all know that I love a good drink, and I've been trying to find a replacement to the typical white claws and high noons of the world. Thank goodness I stumbled upon Marg's. They're refreshing, ready-to-drink. Sparkling Margaritas have officially become my go-to cocktail. Crafted with real Blanco tequila, they're clean, crisp, and they genuinely taste so good. There's five unique flavors. There's something for everyone to enjoy. I've had these kicking back after work, watching a ball game, and the weekends, hanging out with friends. Uh, this summer I've been packing my cooler with these all summer and I will continue to do so for the rest of summer. 
I also think this fall they're going to be the perfect tailgate drink. So go check them out at sipmargs.com to find a retailer near you. That's S-I-P-M-A-R-G-S.com to find a retailer near you. You must be 21 and over to enjoy. Cheers, and please drink responsibly. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Segment three, third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, Let's talk about third base. So Matt Veerling has been playing a lot of third, and I was a big catalyst for him playing a lot of third. I really wanted him to play third. I was a, a big advocate is probably the better word for him playing third base. I've been wanting him to play third since the uh, preseason. I mean, literally, I remember in spring training, obviously, but even before that, I feel like in like February when like camp started, I, I was clamoring for him to to get some looks at third base this year. Now, obviously, Mayton early on was always going to be the guy to get a majority of the reps there. But especially as that started to go downhill, I just, I found it confusing as to why he was getting no looks there after we talked about him getting looks there all spring. And then he finally has, and now he's like exclusively the third baseman pretty much, which is wild that it was that dramatic of a twist. Um, But I, I like it and I still do like it. I still want him to play third, but the reason that I want him to play third this year is not because I think Matt Veerling should be the opening day third baseman next year or that I think he's the third baseman of the future. If that is what this front office believes, we have a massive problem that's about to happen. I I cannot be more against the premise of Matt Veerling being the third baseman of the future. And that's not a slight against Matt Veerling. I think Matt Veerling can be a really, really effective utility man for a good baseball team. I don't think that he's like an everyday corner outfielder. I don't think he hits well enough. I don't think he's an everyday third baseman for similar reason. But he has a ton of tools. He's very fast. That's an awesome thing to have off your bench. He doesn't strike out. He puts the ball in play. Very effective to have on your roster. Um, He has an OPS under 700 now. The last like month and a half, he has just straight up not hit well really in any facet. He doesn't walk. He doesn't hit for power. Okay, he's a batting average first singles hitter. But again, if he can prove that he can play an effective third, which I think he has, he had the missed tag on Wednesday, um, and, and he's had a couple of like just inexperienced third base blunders. In the same breath, he also it has graded out as a plus defender at third base already so far in his time there this season. If he can. If you can have a guy coming off your bench who you know is going to make contact with the ball, run like the wind, and can give you plus or net zero defense at all three outfield positions, plus one or even two infield positions, that's incredibly valuable. And that's a great career. And that's something that every team wants and needs. Ben Zobrist was an all-star being a utility man. Okay, and I'm not saying that Pat Feeling is ever going to be that, but uh, all I'm saying is there is immense value in that. I don't say this with a negative connotation directed towards Matt Veerling. I'm just saying if you think that uh, a guy who in August with like a 690 OPS on almost, you know, exclusively singles and has abysmal runners in scoring position numbers. Like one of the big reasons, okay, that that's way too far. I was going to say one of the big reasons why the team's numbers are that low. That's preposterous. It's one player. Um, but it is certainly towards the, the bottom of a team that already is not good 
with runner to the scoring position in that category. Like he's, he's not a middle of the lineup bat, but this team is so still poor offensively that he kind of has to be because sadly he's one of the better hitters on this lineup still. But I, I just, I, I like Matt Veerling. I hope he's here for the next couple of seasons. He's a decent ball player. He, he's solid. He gives you a lot of options. He can do a lot of things on the baseball field, and that's awesome. He's tooled up. I hope he's here for the next several seasons. But if we get to February and the Tigers didn't bring in a single third baseman and they're not confident that Colt Keith can play third base defensively, they're not confident that Justin Henry Malloy can play third base defensively, and they just go, oh, yeah, it's going to be Matt Veerling. That's a problem. And that should not happen. At all. Okay? And, like, there are huge question marks about whether Colt Keith and, and Justin Henry Malloy can play third base defensively at the major league level. But I would legitimately, 10 times out of 10, rather Colt Keith went out there and we got to see him hit and play third for a full season next year Every day at third with well under zero negative defensive metrics at third base, then Matt Veerling be the everyday starting third baseman next season. Because I think the ceiling of Keith's bat is significantly higher than the overall makeup of Matt Veerling, the third baseman, strictly the third baseman. Does that mean that Colt Keith, if he has a, negative 10 OAA next year is the third baseman of the future? No, that means you got some work to do and you need to go out and address it still. I think ideally in a perfect world, if you're confident that Colt Keith isn't a good third baseman and this isn't rocket science and you're confident that, that Justin Henry Malloy is not a good third baseman, then you just go out this winter and get one. But I'm going to take huge issue if Matt Veerling is the third baseman next year. So I just wanted to, to really plant my flag there because I, I feel like I got some questions about like, oh, like this is what you wanted. A couple of people said to me, I'm like, I want it for this year because I think it's important to see if Matt Veerling can play five different positions. I don't want it next year. That, that should not be the plan going into the season. Okay? Crystal clear. Glad, glad we are. Um, bullpen in this game. You know, Jose Cisnero, you know, good for you. I'm still not sure why you're on the team. Love you, though, big dog. Um, Vasquez, I, I think, just really quickly, I, I think you're seeing why the Phillies DFA'd him. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, what? the Phillies are so stupid. How could they? A lefty with a 2-2 ERA just got DFA'd by the Phillies. That's hilarious. Like, we just absolutely, like, fleece the waiver wire and whatnot. He has a 5.5, a 5-4 ERA as a Detroit Tiger. And all of his projective stats when he was with Philly were like double his ERA. His ERA was like 2-2 or 2-3 or whatever when he got DFA'd. His FIP was four and a half. <laughs> and now you're seeing why. Like it's, you know, the the numbers don't lie. And like that's that that's why. So I, I and I, I'm not like mad at the acquisition or anything, but when you see him give up runs and people are like, oh, what happened to the 2-2 ERA, ERA pitcher in Philly? Well, it never really existed, to be honest. Um, but I still think he, he can be effective. I still think he can be a good lefty specialist. And honestly, the biggest thing is like, he, Jason Shreve was let go for him. And I think that at worst, it's a lateral move, if not an improvement over Jason Shreve. And that's really all that matters to me. So not like hating on him. Uh, still, you know, I'm, 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 I like the move. I'm, I'm glad he's in our bullpen. I, I like the, the, the who he replaced and whatnot. But um, if you were ever expecting him to like maintain, you know, 
what he did in Philly. That that really the writing was on the wall. That was never really going to happen. Um, and then Bo Brisky, you know, I, I don't want to kind of just keep reiterating the same point over and over again, but needs a good pitch that moves side to side. Uh, the, he threw the slider more than the changeup in this outing. I feel like that was to kind of compensate for the fact that it's like not as good as the changeup and try to keep people kind of, you know, mess with the timing and keep people off guard. But um, that's going to be a huge thing. You're you're not going to survive too long with just fastball changeup combo. You're you you're going to need an effect, whether it's a curveball, a sweeper, a slider, even a cutter. I, I don't care. It doesn't need to move ten feet, but you need something that moves side to side. Um, and, and I think that we're seeing that kind of catch up to him over his last few outings. So we'll see what adjustments he makes going forward. Um, I think that's it for this ball game. Really outside of a grand slam, it was not good. <laughs> not great pitching, really brutal offense outside of one swing. And here we are. So got to put it behind you and head to Houston. We'll preview that in a second. Really quickly though, the Tigers have had some organizational promotions, which is awesome. Uh, the Tigers promote Max Clark from the Florida Complex League to the Lakeland Flying Tigers in single A. Uh, along with him will go Brett Callahan, Clayton Campbell, Kevin McGonigal, and Jason Peck. Um, you know, I I am fine, obviously, with all of this. Uh, I had a few people reach out and be like, hey, like, is this, you know, timing-wise, is this what you expected? Is this where you expected them to be at? It's important to know that the Florida Complex League just ended like just ended. And that is why the timing is the timing. This wasn't like these guys were, were, I don't know. I, I want to use the word like naturally promoted. Like they, some of them were hitting very well. Max Clark was crushing the baseball. His numbers in the Florida complex league were great. Um, but like it, it, the only reason they're getting promoted now is because it's either that or they don't play baseball the rest of the summer. And I don't think the front office wants that. So that's why the timing is the timing. I don't think that they're like ahead of schedule and that this promotion is like, oh, like, look, they don't like they played like 15 games, most of them, if that, in the complex league. I don't think this was like just pure, you know, they, they crushed it so much they had to get promoted, but some of them were crushing the ball. Max Clark being one of them, phenomenal numbers in the Florida complex, Florida complex league, goodness. Um, McGonigal got off to a pretty good start as well. Um, so I'm very interested, and, and Max Clark's like leading off on Thursday. So we'll talk about that. Uh, well, when we have time next week, we'll kind of talk about how he looks and and what he's doing in Lakeland. But um, very very cool and exciting. And um, the player, I mean, Max Clark obviously is going to be the na- noteworthy guy. But I'm really interested in what Kevin McGonigal does. The the fact that he's getting a look in Lakeland, and you know, even though I just said like the the, the league ended, and that's why. Not everybody gets called up. They don't just switch out the two teams, right? They don't just cut everybody in Lakeland and and call up everybody from the complex league. Like you still have to be one of the five or six best guys in that league to get a look in Lakeland. So uh, the fact that that McGonagall, obviously they're the two high draft picks, but the fact that he's in that list made me happy. I'm, I'm very, very interested in what he can do in here. And, you know, I, Max Clark was, was always going to be in Lakeland by next year. I think this will be a good barometer. Like this is really... What I'm looking for, if he does really well in the next month, uh, I think there is somewhat of an argument that he would be in West Michigan, maybe not opening day, but like relatively early on in the season next year, if he can carry that into the beginning of next season. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm very, very pleased 
I guess, with uh, with his with this development. I'm glad that he's actually playing in like a real stadium now. We'll get to see him against some better competition. And uh, we'll take a look again at the end of the season and kind of figure out where he maybe slots in next year. But um, yeah, some pretty exciting stuff there. We'll see how they do with the Flying Tigers. Previewing the Houston Astros, uh, you have a three-game set against the former, I guess, not reigning, but former World Series champion Houston Astros. Um, yeah, the, the pitching matchups are interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Um, Matt Manning against Framber Valdez. Okay. Game two, you have Hunter Brown against Eduardo Rodriguez. That's actually super exciting. Uh, Hunter Brown, hometown kid uh, versus Erod, our best pitcher. So that'll be kind of exciting. And then on Sunday, of course, you have Alex Fajardo against Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander back in Comerica Park for the Houston Astros, not for the Mets. The last time he was back in Comerica, he was with the Mets and the Tigers. I know hit a homer off him. I think he still ended up having a pretty decent outing, but homered off him and got to him early. So we'll see what he's doing this Sunday. Always, I don't know, not sucks, but like it's always just bittersweet, I guess, to see him not in a Tigers uniform come back to, to Comerica Park. What hat does he go into the Hall of Fame with? That's an interesting conversation that I don't want to get into right now because it will make me sad. Um, but yeah, uh, this is an opportunity. If you can take one of three, I think that's probably the expectation. A, don't get swept. B, play competitive ball. Like the Cubs series, that was a team that's objectively better than you. All three games were close. If you can hang around and put together some competitive ball games against this Astros team at home, I think that that's a win. Because after you get past the Astros, this schedule, really the rest of the year, you play the Dodgers one more time, there's a lot of uh, W-word games. Like, there's a lot of games that you should be able to to take a legitimate shot at. Um, but you got to get through the, the juggernaut that is the Houston Astros first. So we'll talk about that on Monday. Uh, thanks for making us your first listen every single day. Appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll be back then. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.